This is Dr. Karen Wilson-Starks, and welcome to my podcast series, The Voice of Leadership. It's really wonderful to think about customer service in your business that inspires Thanksgiving from your customers, first of all, and ideally also for your employees as well. Keep in mind that as a business executive, you create the culture that leads to creative advantage and your people and how they operate will either maintain that culture or tear it down by their behavior and what they do and how they treat people. So your customer-facing employees particularly can tear down the goodwill that you've already built on to create your legacy and to give your customers a sense of who you are and what you are about. So today, as part of this month of thinking about Thanksgiving, because in the United States, this is the month that's dedicated to Thanksgiving. We're going to talk about a different aspect of Thanksgiving all throughout this month. Now, if you're from Canada and you celebrated Thanksgiving last month, no problems. There's still a time to be thankful at any time. Or perhaps if you're in another country that has Thanksgiving at another time, or you don't have Thanksgiving at all in a formal sense, you can always remember to be thankful. So just join us in that process. So I want to give a couple of examples of what it looks like when customer experience is actually inspiring of Thanksgiving and also what it's like when it takes away. I'm going to start with an example of customer service that takes away from the Thanksgiving process. So recently, I was shopping in a grocery store where I've been shopping for more than 30 years. I have one of the loyalty cards at that grocery store for frequent shoppers and so on. And typically when I'm shopping there, I always write a check. Now, for those of you in countries or states where it's old fashioned to think about writing checks and where checks are not acceptable in my city, you can still write checks almost everywhere except for at Whole Foods, that's an exception. So at this particular grocery store, checks are still fine and acceptable and I always use one and and write a check when I'm at the grocery store. So I'm in the line, I have all of my purchases and we get to the payment part. I write the check as I normally do, give it to the cashier. He does whatever he normally does. I didn't think anything of it when he called for a manager and I thought, well, you know, sometimes they need to see an ID or they need to check the driver's license number or do something. And so again, I wasn't too concerned. So this very young manager comes over, looks at something on the screen, then turns to me and says, your check is not accepted. And they don't tell us the reason why anymore. So I have to call this 800 number on this receipt and figure it out. At first, I was kind of stunned. And I said, oh, well, you know, I'll shop here. I've been shopping here for 30 years. I've been using the same checking account. And then he says, I said, your check is not accepted. You'll have to call the 800 number, in which case, then I was shocked that he was speaking to me like this. Mind you, this young man is 
of the age where he could be my grandson. That's how much younger he is than me. And so as an older person, I was feeling a sense of being disrespected as an elder. I said, wow, okay, that's interesting. And certainly for being in a store that I've been shopping in for more than 30 years. So then I'm thinking, okay, what am I going to do next? Because I have plenty of alternatives, other things I could do. Before I could think of anything, my cashier was changing out his shift with the next person who was already standing there. So they had already changed out badges, drawers, and whatever else they do. And the manager, in the meantime, had grabbed my cart and ran off somewhere. I had no idea where the manager went. I didn't know why he had grabbed my cart and left. But here I am standing there at the cash register. The new cashier is ringing up another guest. And I'm just left in limbo with no one saying anything to me about the situation. So then I'm like, okay, I'm not sure what's going on here. This has never happened before. So I leave to try to find someone who can advise me on where my food is. I run into the cashier who had just left the cash register. And I explained to myself, well, what happened to my cart of food? And then he says, oh, and he says, let me get the manager again. So he gets the manager again. The manager comes over and says, it's right here. I told you your check is not accepted. I said, well, I still have to get my food. And then he said, well, do you have other forms of payment? I said, of course I have other forms of payment. I said, you didn't ask me about alternative forms of payment. You didn't give me any options or choices about that. You just took the cart and ran off without saying where you were going or what was happening next. So then he proceeds to tell me how busy he was with customers in another location as though I wasn't a customer. And so I could have gotten really angry because I'm thinking, well, the nerve of him, I'm a customer too. So how can he call these people customers? But he's referring to me as though I'm not a customer. So I said, well, look, I still need to pay for this food and get out of the store. So what's the procedure at this point? Because back at my old register, the new person is ringing up the next person. So he says, well, he takes the receipt from me that he had given me. And then he sets up one of those automatic machines so that I can walk through this. And then he runs off again. So I I managed to pay for my groceries to get out. In the meantime, when I get home, telling my husband about the situation, I said, well, there's 800 number we have to call. And I look on there and I realize I no longer have that original receipt because the manager took it and kept it. So there's not even a way to call to find out what the problem was from the store's perspective. Now, of course, I'm aware there's no problem with the bank account. I'm aware there's no problem with funds in the account or anything of that sort. So obviously, this is something that's simple that can be addressed. I just don't know what it is. Now, when I left that store, on a scale from 1 to 10, about how inspired I felt with that customer service, it was below 1. That's how inspired I felt by the customer service in that store. There were so many places along the way where the manager could have chosen a different tact. He could have said, oh, I see that we don't know why, but for some reason the check isn't accepted today. And there is an 800 number where you can call to find out. In the meantime, would you like to use another form of payment? He could have said that in a nice tone, which of course he didn't choose to do. And then when I said, oh yeah, sure, no problem then my current cashier could have just rung it up right there on the spot. Or if the new person was taking over, that person could have rung up my purchase. But he didn't 
treat me with that level of dignity or respect. And he screamed at me, as a matter of fact, as if I was a criminal. And of course, I'm not trying to steal food. I'm standing in the checkout line. So when you think about that, how you treat your customer is very important. Now, I happen to have been shopping there for 30 years, probably older than he is. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm not going to allow this incident to write off the entire store in my experience. However, it was a very negative experience that I didn't appreciate and which I will raise that issue to the appropriate and right authorities to get it addressed. Because this manager needs a little more training about how to treat all of the customers and not just the ones that he calls and designates customers. Because I'm paying good money too, and I've paid lots of money over the last 30 years. So this would be an example of something that was really a challenge and a difficulty that had he chosen alternative language spoken in a different way, I could have left feeling valued and could have left feeling inspired with the customer service at that particular store. Now, let me give you a contrasting example. Recently, I was staying in a hotel in a city and it's a hotel I've stayed in multiple times before, but it's been a long time ago because of the pandemic and I haven't been there. And so I'm checking in. It's going to be really, really late at night, way after midnight. So I call the hotel as a courtesy call to let them know I'm still arriving. And I get a young man who's the night desk clerk and I explain who I am. I have a reservation. I'm going to be arriving significantly after midnight. However, I'm still arriving. Oh, no problem, Dr. Wilson Starks. We will make sure that your room is here and waiting for you. And he asked me about additional amenities and whatever else I would like. No problem. So I get there and I see that night desk clerk at the front desk as well as another person. So I go to him and I said, oh, you're the person I spoke to on the phone. And he says, oh, okay, great. You're Dr. Wilson Starks then. And he proceeds to set everything up. We find out what my options are as far as room types and so on. And then he gives me the briefing about services at the hotel. Because of the pandemic, there are many services that are not available on this particular trip. For example, they no longer have bellmen in the hotel. Okay, that was good to know. Housekeeping is only by on call. So if you want housekeeping, you have to let them know. They don't necessarily just come automatically and there's no room service. However, the way he said these things and the way he told me about them, I felt like a valued guest who was being prepared in advance so that I would know how to navigate the changes in the hotel. And it was not a negative experience. Even though there were less services, I now not blindsided by it. He's telling me in advance what will be different. And also because there are no bellmen, he brings over the cart to the car. So it will be easy for my husband and I to offload luggage and so on. Very pleasant, very nice. And his desk partner, evening staff, also just as pleasant as he was. So my husband and I, we always have a policy, even though we don't have to do this. When we use carts and we were using two, we would bring them back down to the front desk because another guest might need them and they might be coming in in the middle of the night with a lot of luggage. And what if there's no carts downstairs? And so they were surprised that we brought the carts back and said, oh, you know, you didn't have to bring the carts back. And what I want to say to you is, first of all, we would do that anyway, because that's who we are. But when you also provide 
customer service that is inspiring, it brings out the best, even in your customers, even in your guests. Someone else might have brought the cart down just because they were treated well. And of course, if you're not treated well, you don't know what people might be doing with the carts in that case, because they might be very angry or upset about what's happened or how they were treated. So these are two very different pictures of customer service. And in the second case, it was customer service that inspired Thanksgiving. So when I wrote my note back to the hotel about what my stay was like, I commended the night desk staff person, and also his colleague who did some things later in the week for us as well. And I also commended the staff in the dining room because we had a waitress who did remember us from previous visits and she provided excellent customer service. We felt like we were welcomed. We felt like we truly were customers and like we were guests. And if you have a business where customers are a part of it, you want your customers to feel that way also. And when they asked me in the survey, would I recommend that hotel to someone else? The answer was unequivocally yes, because the customer service was in the right zone. And that's what you kind of want to think about when you're looking at these situations. So as the business leader, what do you need to do to make sure that your people understand your values, understand how you want to treat customers, and to make sure they understand how that translates into their behavior and they have examples of what it looks like in real life with real people. It doesn't happen automatically. This is something that you cultivate and it's worth the effort because we're at a time right now where I could easily choose to go to another grocery store, for example, and never go back to that grocery store again, because there are other options in my city that I could exercise. There are lots of hotels right now that have bed space empty and open because people aren't staying there in the same way as they did before. So it behooves that hotel to treat the guests that they have with the proper decency and respect so that they will continue to have return customers. And my husband and I are already thinking about when else we might be able to visit that hotel and stay there again as a way of supporting them so that they continue to stay in business. So you want to think about those partnerships that you can forge with your customer, because if your customer is delighted, they want you to also be benefited because you are benefiting them. So Today, I want us to think about as we close today's segment out, the fact that there's always a better way to say something. And going back to the grocery store again, everybody's busy because they're shorthanded. I understand that. If he had said, oh, ma'am, I am so sorry. I brought your cart over here because this is where we'd have to check you out now. And, you know, there's so many people here. I just was running really fast and fierce. Let me apologize to you now. He never apologized. He never took into account how I might feel by what he chose to do. So there's always a way, even if you're busy, to say something. Had he done that, the compassion in me certainly would have risen up. And I was, oh, okay. Yes, I understand you being busy and so on and so forth. Let me work with you. It would have inspired my greater willingness to work with him. Instead, I really felt 
more furious about the situation. So let's think about that as we read some scriptures that Luke 6, and I'm going to read verses 27 to 31. And this is Jesus talking about how we can choose to treat people. And he says, but I say to you who hear, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, and pray for those who spitefully use you. To him who strikes you on the one cheek, offer the other also. And from him who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Give to everyone who asks of you. And from him who takes away your goods, do not ask them back. And just as you want men to do to you, you also do to them likewise. That's important. The way you want to be treated, make sure you treat others in that same way. That's the golden rule. And you know what? I've got to pray for that young man because that's what is required of me as well. You've been listening to The Voice of Leadership with me, Dr. Karen Wilson-Starks. And I want to give a special thanks to jazz saxophonist Ron McMillan for granting us permission to use his gifted music on our show. Thanks for listening. And remember to go to my website, transleadership.com, for more strategies, insights, and leadership resources. Thank you.